What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 11 of Tales from the Green Room. Uh, today, we are brought to you by Customized Grinder. These things are amazing, people. They're heavy duty. They look good. You get them all kinds of different colors. The new ones come with this little side door. We pressed them up for our merch table, and they're selling out like crazy. So thanks to Customized Grinder for uh, the quick service and um, really amazing product. Make sure you check them out. Today on the podcast, I have Brandon Hardesty from Bumpin' Uglies. Um, me and him are homies for a while now. I produced their record, Beast from the East. We're going out on tour together this summer, Good Vibrations, uh, Ballyhoo, Bumpin' Uglies, and Tropidelic. Tickets on sale this Friday, uh, May 4th. Make sure you get that. Um, but yeah, let's get right into it. Here's Brandon from Bumpin' Uglies. All right, Brandon, what's going on, bud? How you doing, man? Good. Doing how are you? Great, great, great. Great, great. Um, yeah, so we had a successful uh, successful announcement this morning. Good Vibrations 2018 is going to be dope. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's uh, a plethora of, of eggplant emojis. There were a lot. Some say... Yeah, there was a whole lot. Not enough? Yeah, def- definitely. I mean, definitely not too many. I feel like the sky's the limit for eggplant emojis, right? Yeah, I think you're right. I definitely think you're right. Yeah. I'm stoked on it, man. I can't wait till we uh, get out there and shred it up on the road together. Oh, dude, it's incredible, man. Yeah, I've just been uh, going through the various socials and looking at, at what people are saying and you know the cities that everyone's excited about and seems pretty, uh, pretty much across the board. You know, People are stoked. I think it's going to be a really good summer. So it's Ballyhoo, it's Bumpin' Uglies, and it's Tropidelic. Correct. What a killer that is, that night. Is the package. It's a killer night. Yeah, man. Yeah, and it's cool, too, because it's like, you know, all the bands have, have like, like um, similarities, but, you know, we all have different sounds for sure. So it's just like, you know, I, I hate going to a show and, and, and seeing, like, a full night of, of, like, every band sounds the same, you know? Yeah, there's certainly, uh, <clears throat> certainly flavors. Two, yeah, two yeah. three, the three involved. Um, yeah, it's like uh, Tropidelic has, um, I don't know, I don't even know what to call them. They're not a reggae band, you know, and they're it's, not a jam band, and they're not a hip-hop band. It's more, I think of it like it's funk. They're, they're really funky. You know? That's a good call. Yeah. Yeah, and they have a lot of energy, and there's like 11 of them, so there's just, you know, a lot going on all the time on stage. <laughs> Yeah, they're pretty much a hockey team. Pretty much, pretty much. All handsome guys. Yeah, they um, are good-looking guys. The guitar player is metal as fuck, though. Dude, he's, he's Bobby Chronic is the man. Yeah, he's just uh, he's doing like whirlwinds with his hair, just shredding and, and killing it. And he's he's like the nicest guy too. That's great. That's great. Is we it? Both um, we both love Prince. We've had many um, late night drunken conversations about Prince and how awesome he is as oh, a guitar player. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, he shreds it up, man. Um, yeah. So yeah, then there's you guys, the bumping uglies. We're all right. Yeah, you're not bad. The bumping uglies. Yeah, we we're really just kind of using it to get Tropidelic on board. We we're like, look, if we get bumping uglies on it, will you do it? And they were like, <laughs> they were like, all right. Yeah, man, we're just leveraging the whole scenario. It's <laughs> all we always <laughs> leverage. Every situation. I no. Yeah, man. So, uh, uh, shit. 
So tell uh, Tales from the Green Room podcast listeners, tell them uh, what's going on. How long? Uh, how long has Brandon Hardesty, Hardesty been playing music? Oh man, um, like, well, I started playing guitar when I was seventeen, but um, I, I would play around um, with pianos, like just pretty much wherever I, I would see a piano, I would I would sit and like just like lose hours just trying to figure out melodies, and you know I was never very good at it, but um, I pretty much like since I can remember, I would, I would mess around with pianos. Um, but I, you know, I started playing guitar. I got my first acoustic guitar when I was 17 and, um, sat around figuring out like Wonderwall, Say It Ain't So, and, like Jack, Jack Johnson songs. Um, I did that for a few years and then, um, you know, I started doing open mics. I really had, um, I guess I had an interest in writing songs, but it, the whole idea was very overwhelming to me. Um, but around, the, I started really writing when I was like 20, 21. Um, I was working uh, at a restaurant and my manager at the time, uh, he'd been in bands. Like he, he was like 40, I was 20. And um, he, we had an open mic there and I'd be playing, I'd be playing Wonderwall and saving so. And he's like, oh man, we should start a band. You know, I never been in a band at a time at the time i had no idea what it went into it like i had no idea like um you know like owning a pa system is something you know like we don't do that anymore we don't have a pa system that we use but i had no idea that that was like a thing like you know you like i I would see bands playing at bars and i just kind of assumed that the bar had the pa system but i didn't realize that all those bands like own that shit you know so like you know like i'll I'll just say there's a million details like that that i had no idea what that was about but he had all this shit. He was like, yeah, dude, let's, let's start a band. Let's do this. And um, that was what would eventually turn into Bob and Uglies. And it was all downhill from there. <laughs> That's great, man. Um, yeah, I think we started hanging out. Uh, oh, man, what, how long ago was that? It was like, I remember seeing you. I remember, I remember one night at the Whiskey yeah. in Annapolis. Uh, you were playing downstairs acoustic. Mm-hmm. And then you... I think you stuck around for the show that we were playing that night. And that, yeah, I, mean, I actually remember that show. It was, um, Ballyhoo and 86, the effort. Oh, wow. That's crazy. God damn. 86, the effort. Yeah. Well, that It was like 2009, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, it's gotta be almost 10 years ago. That's nuts, man. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> so much has happened since then. <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, the show was like cool too. Like there was like, you know, it wasn't like like a bad show. Like like a, like a, when I say bad, I mean like it wasn't like a lowly uh, attended show by any means. But I mean, there was maybe like fifty, seventy five people there at the peak of the evening. Yeah, you know, and I like I I went to y'all's um, Annapolis show at Union Jack. I guess like two months ago, and it was like the building was a capacity. Like it was like eight hundred, nine hundred people. <laughs> Silly. You know? Yeah, it's it's definitely nice to see. That's for sure. It's good to see people coming out and showing the, showing their love. Um, yeah, I, th- I think uh, you know, starting a band is that's what the main goal is just to just to pack a place out and, and have a fucking party. Yeah, man, it, it's funny. Like when I started doing this, that that was all I really cared about was like getting people to come out to shows. You know what I mean? And like. I didn't really have a, a plan as far as like longevity or like trying to 
find other ways to make money. You know, I didn't, it, the thought didn't occur to me that there would be a moment, like a time when I wouldn't want to be playing like 200, 250 shows a year, you know? Like it was all about just like making the shows as, as live and well attended as possible. But like the older I get, it's like, all right, now how can we play less shows and make more money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely a goal too. Like I always say that like, I would love to get, I love playing. I love, you know, doing the whole thing, but um, it, it'd be rad to have what like 311 has. Like they play like, I don't know, maybe, you know, 50 to 70 shows a year, maybe a little more, but like even, even a hundred shows a year would be great. You know what I mean? Cause you, that means you're having, you're getting out there, you're doing what you love, but then you're getting back and you can be with your family. You can, you know, do what you have to do at home, you know? Um, Cause a lot of, yeah. a lot of people don't realize that, that, you know, when, when we're away doing this stuff, like on the road, crushing, you know, we're, there's this whole life back home that we are just sort of putting on hold, you know? And I know when I get home, when, I, when I'm on my way home, I'm stoked because I'm like, oh, I'm going to get so much shit done when I get home. You know, like, it's just that you're putting off this whole thing, you know? But then when you're home, you're still doing this, you know, you're still doing yeah. the music, you're promoting and you're setting up for the, for the future tours and working on merch and, and writing songs and like you know it's just a never-ending thing but then you sort of always have to put off the home life you know this everything takes a back seat you know yeah well it's an obsession more than anything like yeah i mean I, i'm sure i could probably shit i could work more I, I know i could work more you know like i watch my wife like work with her business and um she is like you know, I always like to pride myself on having a strong work ethic, and I think I do, but, like, I watch my wife work, and she's just, like, she makes me feel like a chump with what, with what I'm doing, you know, because she's just killing it. So, I mean, um, I know I could put more hours in, but I could definitely put way less in, but I just end up doing this with my free time anyways because it's all I think about, you know. It's yeah. like you can't turn it off to a certain degree. You can't. There, there's a – I will totally agree that it's an obsession, and – um yeah, it's I, I I'm a workaholic, you know, when it comes to this stuff, and this is all I do all the time, and like I do the best I can to like give the you know give the family my attention and stuff, but like when I know that this is like how I, this is my main source of income, and this is like well, yeah, it's it's, it's a survival instinct to a certain extent because it's like what would you know what else would you do? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, point. yeah, exactly, and and. And you know, on the on the opposite side, it's like going out there. If I if I if I were going out there on tour all the time, like we do, and not making money, and not really seeing any headway, and not seeing people come to the shows, um, then it would be much harder to justify me doing it in the first place, um, because you know I have a family now and everything. And um, you know, ten years ago, I didn't give a fuck. It was like just I'll I'll leave my girlfriend for four months. You know what I mean? But like. Um, yeah. Nowadays, it's like with the kids and all that, and it's just it, it's you become more serious about it, and you're not doing it for yourself anymore. Like I used to do it for myself, and like uh, just yeah, we're going on the road, but it's gonna be great, you know. It's just not that way. The mindset changes. Yeah, it's 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 funny. I, I didn't understand it when I was younger, but like no, anything you do, no matter how cool like you think it is, if you with enough enough repetition everything becomes work at a certain point yeah yeah and i mean touring especially you know what i mean like you, you know everyone thinks it's cool like you see like and you know we see a lot of shit we see, like we see a lot of cool shit but it's mostly like 
gas stations, mechanics and venues and hotels. And that's it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we've seen like the grand Canyon, we've seen Niagara falls and stuff, but it's like, that is like a seriously scheduled thing that we all have to agree on. And we, we, you know, you wake up extra early to do it. It's not like you're just traveling around seeing dope shit all the time. It's mostly just highways and gas stations. Yeah. Yeah. There's no leisure time. Like I've been, I've been wanting to go, I've been wanting to go to a tombstone for like 12 fucking years since we started touring and still have not. And and we always, when we're cruising through in Arizona, I always see the sign. I think it's in Benson, Benson, Arizona. If you, there's a sign that's like tombstone, you know, like 26 miles or whatever. I'm like, God, it's just too small, too far on like a dirt road. Like it's going to take forever, you know, to get there and back. And I know that I know we're not gonna be able to make it, you know? And so like, I still, one day I want to make it, but yeah, there's no, there's not a lot of leisure time. And, um, it's, you're sitting in the green room, you know, when you're not on the road or a hotel room, you know, when you're, when you're not driving, it's like, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Just trying to recharge and like, you know, it's exhausting. Yeah. What do you, what do you do? There. What do you do to get the, uh, to get the, uh, the energy going, get the, get the, get the blood going before the set? Man. Um, something I, it's, it's more like these days it's like what I'm not doing. Like I, I don't drink before shows anymore. And that's something that like, I mean, shit, you know me, <laughs> like, the, like we did so many tours for so many years. I used to just, I would show up and we'd sound check and then I would, I would just get after it. Um, but like it was last year that I, I really started changing that. Um, cause I just wasn't really having fun with it anymore. Like I would, if the show was like perfect and awesome and like something new and exciting for us, then I would love it. I would be like manically happy. But if even like if the show wasn't as intent, as well attended as I wanted or like something stupid would go wrong, I would go into like a spiral of depression like while I was playing because like because I was like drunk, you know what I mean? And then and then just something would disappoint me and then it would just get compounded on itself. So I, it got to the point where I, I was like more often than not, I wasn't even enjoying playing because I would be disappointed by something, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to stop drinking before shows, you know, like I'll, I'll, these days, like I'll start drinking like halfway into the set or something. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's made it a lot better, but you know, that was huge for me because I mean, like if you're not enjoying it, what the fuck are you doing? You know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's pointless. Exactly. It's like, you're putting yourself out there and it's, it's just, you're taxing yourself every night and, you know, and every day on the road and like driving and it's exhausting. And, you know, if you're just not feeling it, if you're not, if it's not making you happy, then you, you know, it's, you got to think about seriously. Think about where you're where you're headed. <laughs> you know what your life choices are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not good. At, I'm not good at phoning it in, too, man. Like I'm very just like out there with my shit. So like, you know, if, if I'm not having a good time, I feel like I'm not putting on a good show at the same time. You know, I totally relate with that. I I was uh last last winter, 2017. Um, I uh, it, it was like we left for tour like uh, 10 or 12 days after my dad died. And it was like the worst thing ever. I wasn't ready. You know, I wasn't ready to go on tour and I had like the worst time ever. And it was with real big fish and anti-flag. And like, it was this big rad tour. And I just felt like I wasn't giving my all every night and I wasn't having a good time on stage. And it was just a really hard time to go out. So when you have things like that pressing on your mind, you know, the negative things like that, and you're drinking on top of it, it's just, it just doesn't make for a good combination, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's it's. Yeah, man, that that was like a a, a big wake up call for me. Was just realizing that. But um, uh, you know, other I guess like besides that, you know, to I've gotten like the older I've got, I get I, I've gotten like really into the art of the set list. Like I used to like not even we we used to not do set lists. We would just go up there and like call it out, you know. But like sure, um, you know, I I've I've gotten into like trying to like make dynamic sets. You know, it's it's like the same concept as like making a um a track list on an album. I feel like making a set, you know. That that roller coaster of emotion. Yeah, yeah. I was actually. I think I was talking to you about this a few months ago. As I was like, been trying to dial it in. I, you know, like try to start off with a banger, like like bangers. You know, um, and then kind of like have like a, a day crescendo, I guess. And then like towards the middle of the set, you you just start ramping up and ramping up and ramping up. And then like at the end, you just have like banger, banger, banger. And then leave off, you know, like end with a just a crazy high, you know, r- making people really want more. Yeah. And then you're like, fuck you. Pay, pay to see us next time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Buy a t-shirt. <laughs> exactly. No, I, yeah, that's, <clears throat> you're totally right, man. Um, it's, uh, it's important, I think, um, to, to give the set uh, its own, like you said, dynamic. It's, uh, it's got to have some it's got to tell a story in a way, just like a record does. Um, and, uh, you know, you could either come out with like a slam. It depends on like what your vibe is, but like come out with like a slamming, you know, punk rock song or whatever, you know, or go the opposite way and, and just have like some sick, like dope ass reggae song that kind of just, just lays low, but like still cuts through the crowd and like just gets everybody pumped, you know? Um, but either way go from <clears throat> one height, to to another, you know, and just uh, I don't know. I've always enjoyed doing it that way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you got to make the crowd feel that, like I said, that emotional kind of roller coaster. Make them feel the wave. Um, are you uh, are you bird watching right now? I'm just sitting on my on my patio. Is that coming through? Like really? <laughs> no, actually, really I like it. I like I like the birds. People are Dude, pe- I- people are driving right now, and they're just like fucking birds. Like birds. <laughs> I make a lot of so like I'm I'm on my back porch just because it's like quieter out here and um I make a lot of like demos out here like I, I don't know how you do that but I just use like the voice memo thing on my phone oh yeah mm-hmm. so like I'll go back and listen to it and I hear the birds chirping and I'm like oh, that's kind of cool like that'd be I love the vibe of like of uh, of a song that's done like played and, and sang at the same time it doesn't work for everything but for I feel like for like the more more like soulful and intimate shit it's it's really cool. And um, yeah, the birds. I don't know. I've just come to associate bird chirps with that kind of vibe, and I think it's it's a, a result of that. You know, doing making demos on my porch. That's rad. We had a song called Drag. It was on Cheers, but the first recording of that ever was done. We had, I think, I recorded it in one take, maybe two takes, just singing it with the guitar. But then we had, we deliberately put mics outside in this tree. And we, to get all the birds and the nature and shit, and we just layered it underneath, and that was the recording. <laughs> so, so that that reminded me of that. Like, uh, it, it used to say the, the the song title was "Drag" and the parentheses "Birds." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, tell us about uh, "Beast from the East," man, the new record. Well, it was it was produced by none other than than Howard Spangler of, of Tales from the Green Room um, fame and infamy. I think I don't know, man. It was cool how that 
how that all came to be, man. Like we, uh, I don't know if you remember, but it was like, so we did, uh, we did keep it together with, with, uh, with y'all and right coast, which was like, you know, we obviously had known each other over the years from being from Maryland and doing the, the reggae rock thing. But that was our first time doing business together, which, you know, we got to know each other a lot better. And we did that, um, dance till you fall tour around it with Zach deputy. Um, you know, and the, the, the record was released. The tour was done. We were just kind of comparing notes and just bullshitting. And I, you know, I remember telling you, I was like, oh yeah, man, we're gonna hit the studio, start working on this next thing. And you, you were uh, telling me how you wanted to get into doing more production, you know, and you just kind of threw it out there. Like, hey man, like, let me produce this shit. And we'd never worked with a producer at that point. And I was super, I was super anxious about it, if I'm being totally honest at first, because I'm, I'm a control freak and I don't like change, you know? And I'm so handsome. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I couldn't deal with all the, the handsomeness on, on a regular basis, but um yeah, I was really uncomfortable with the idea of it at first, but I'm a big believer in just, tr- you got to try new things to grow, you know? So, you know, we gave it a shot and it was, it was just a great decision because sonically it's, it's the biggest thing we've ever done by, by just so many leaps and bounds. Um, and, you know, that was all you for sure. Now you guys made my job very fucking easy and, um, you know, you, the, you know what you want, and that's I, I love that personally. It, it makes it it makes it a lot easier for me, and it's easier for me to understand the vision and what you want to do with the project. Um, and you know, as a producer, I try to come at, I try to come at it with uh, the idea that um, I'm I'm pretty much going to be whatever you need me to be. So if I need to write songs, then I'll. I'll I'll do that. If I need to sing some shit, I'll do that. You know what I mean? Or, or if I need to get in there and really like shake things up and like fuck with the arrangement, things like that, I can do that. Um, but with, with you, the way you write your songs, um, it's, uh, it's, uh, I don't know. The process was just, um, pretty cut and dry, you know? And I would just come in and say, well, Hey, why don't you sing this melody a little different or you know what we should cut this part down a little bit you know it's cool but like you know cut it in half or whatever you know whatever whatever we could do to like simplify i always like less is more um so simplify um still have your cool dynamic parts but um you know i don't know you just all that stuff was there it was just i just kind of helped sort of shape it and and work with the tones and stuff when working with um ryan to um really make the shit sound as best as it could yeah well, for me, it was like my my head's always been in um, in lyrics, pretty much just lyrics, and like I mean, not like you know, chord progressions and melody even took a backseat to lyrics. Um, just I always wanted to write dope lyrics, and I wanted to sing them well. So like we kind of the way it would always go for us when it was time to record stuff is we would just go into the studio and make the best version of how we play a song live. You know, we never, even like harmonies and stuff, it, it was always kind of a backseat thing. Like Wolfie would do his thing, but it was just, I, ne- I always, I, I never really cared about the studio game as much. And the, the doing this record and seeing what you can do with all that was, was just a huge learning experience. It was super eye opening. And, um, I mean, that's why, I say, like, honestly, I, I stand by that opinion that it wouldn't have happened without you because I, I would have just made this record like we made every other record, which it would have been 
just way more stripped down, you know, but moving forward, I, I don't ever want to do shit like that again, you know, because I, I think it really just helps everything shine more having all the, the bells and whistles. You don't, you don't notice they're there as much, but you notice when they're not there, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It, it is a lesser more thing. It's definitely a lesser more thing, but it, it does provide an overall fullness that I just didn't realize was missing before. Yeah. I mean, the, um, I try to, I try to layer things. Um, you know, if I feel like we can, we should do another guitar under here or maybe some sort of a, a melodic kind of guitar thing or something on the keys or, or something. Um, th- those are the kinds of things that to me make the song more interesting. Um, and, at the same time, you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to overlayer and put too many things in. And you want to you want the song to sound to sound good live too. You like there there are times like we we actually play to a click on a lot of songs, and I, I take the opportunity to throw in some of that stuff like the weird synth shit or ambient stuff that we do on our records. Like I throw mm-hmm. that in the track, so it's like it's not missing from the show because there have been times where that shit hasn't worked right. And the song sounds empty as hell because it's like those parts are missing. Um, but it's the same thing with you guys. You're the, uh, you have, um, you have a, well, dude plays guitar now. Right. So like you yeah. guys, are, you guys yeah. are like covering a lot of cool things and you're bringing on a lot of the horns, horn sections in lately and to the live show. And, um, you're covering, covering a lot of that stuff that you did on the record, which is great. Um, but yeah, you never want to like overdo it, and I feel like everything we did was was just right. Yeah, I feel like my like my goal with like we, we've used horns on on everything we've done since the beginning, despite like not having a horn section because I just that's where I see this all ending up is eventually like we will have you know I, I want to have like a two person horn section full time for all our shit, you know, and um, it's kind of like that that philosophy of like dress for the job that you want, not the job you have, you know? Right. So I'm just hoping one day we get to that point where we have those horns. But, um, yeah, having Chad, dude, bringing shit, like, and that was the funny thing too about this record was like, we started, when we started working on this, um, we didn't have Chad, you know, like, like when we tracked drums and bass, um, in the beginning, we were still a three piece, you know, and then we added Chad in the middle of the whole thing, um, tracked the keys with him. But he like wrote the key parts to the the songs that that already you know like the foundation was already there. So like I'm you know I'm excited for the next record like being able to write with him and just do all this stuff from the ground floor. Especially like you know like like I knew like we hired him as a keyboard player like I and I knew he played guitar, but you know my head was like in the keyboard spectrum of things. I I hadn't even thought about what we could do with having. Um, two guitars and now it's just such a huge part of what we do and it's especially like in the live show you know like having those um harmonized guitars it's just fucking silly in my opinion like I, like iron maiden <laughs> has always been one of my favorite bands so being able to do that shit is just uh it's really cool that's great and people love to see that too they love that shit on stage i i would love to bring in to bring in a couple more members at some point um I, I lo- dude we should uh we should figure something out for summer tour man like have some like crazy just guitar thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm down. We're going to come up with some really fun shit because between the three bands, you know, everybody's worked together in some capacity and I just feel like it's just going to be that, but so much bigger, <laughs> you know, there's definitely going to be some moments every night, you know, that, oh, yeah, dude, moments of excitement, you know, like that. Yeah. It's going to be, I, I just imagine the, you know, the whole, the whole summer is just going to be, very just like a lot of jumping up between uh 
band between band, you know, and I imagine it's going to get kind of just different every night too. Cause there's, there's just so many possibilities, you know, like we, we've done a lot of stuff with trap over the years. Um, and, um, you know, like I, I have like a verse on one of their songs and, um, they're on, you know, when we play with them, they'll do like two songs with us. I got another song I want them on. And more importantly, their horn section is going to um, do like five or six uh, songs with us throughout the, the set on the tour, which I'm super stoked about because we've never been able to do it, do anything out West with a horn section just because logistics and all that. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll be asking them for their services as well on a couple songs. Um, yeah. I hate, I hate having horns in the tracks, man. Like, we don't have a horn section, but I don't want them to not be there. That's, that's my thing, you know? And, uh, so whenever there's a, a horn player in town that we know, we try to invite them to come do it. Um, but otherwise mm-hmm. every night it's like, you'll hear it in the track and people are probably like wondering, like, I'm hearing horns, but I'm not seeing anyone on stage with a horn. Um, yeah. A lot of people don't know about that stuff, you know, like playing, putting things in tracks and such. Um, but, uh. Yeah, everything else is real, people. But uh, yeah, I got I, <laughs> I to have the horns in there, though, man. I can't not have it. It just sounds empty, you know. And people expect that they get that. the The horns create like this other, this other thing, this other element, and it's usually some melodic hooky thing. And if it's not there, you know, it, to me, it's noticeable, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've we've like always just played around. Um, well, I mean, shit, before we had Chad, I just said, fuck it, and we would just not do it, you know? Right. But, like, since adding Chad to the band, we've, we've had him do a lot of, um, he does, like, that steel pulse kind of tone, you know what I mean? Like, the, the synth horns. You know, like, Reb did that shit back in the day, too, when they were right. a four-piece. Um, he would do all the horn lines on the thing. So we've been doing a lot of that. And, like, you know, there's some songs, like, on um, Bud Tender, I'll do the uh, the horn line and, like, the dubby parts on the guitar. That's cool. You know, we try to try to fake it as much as we can or, or just you know like fill it out in a different way but we've never done the track thing yeah. we do like samples you know we'll, we'll do like um what song is it oh yeah okay so apathy we have that like that boondock saints thing going on um we've had like chad like this is his ipad he has like a, he has it as like a sample pad at this point you know so we'll like run run that and, and you know use that for like 808 drops and all that shit which has been cool that's great. Yeah. <clears throat> I like adding this, that kind of stuff in. I've always been a fan of, um, you know, just throwing weird shit in there if I can. And, uh, you know, the band has kind of morphed over time. So, you know, we didn't have any of that fancy shit back in the day. It was just guitars, drums, bass, you know. Uh, Dude, it's crazy how, how technology has just advanced in the last, even in the last five years, man. Like, just the shit you can do that, that like... You know, it just wouldn't have been possible even 10 years ago, you know, like, um, yeah. Kemper is a great example. Like, I, I can't believe, amazing. can't believe how crazy that thing is and how just the tones you get out of it and how compact and uh, practical it is to use, you know, yeah, I'm never, I'm never going back to tubes. I'm just not, you know, um, I'm a, I'm a man of convenience. Um, and, uh, that thing is amazing. <laughs> the Kemper dude. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Just, uh, and not, and it, it cuts down on weight in the trailer your stage is cleaner, you know. Not that I wouldn't mind having like forty dummy cabs up there, you know, like just rock star <laughs> shit. But I'm not gonna do that to our crew, you know. That's insane. Um, but yeah, um, it's nuts. And and like the, it's not even that you couldn't do it ten years ago. It's just that it's just so affordable now, you know. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, shit, like, I, I remember, like, the pods, you know, and, you know, they've been doing stuff like that for a while, but the tones just weren't there. Yeah. You know, like, the, the modular stuff was there, like, all the phasers and the, and the delays would sound cool, but anything that was, like, a gain channel just sounded, like, just gross, sounded you know, for lack of a better word. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, at this point, you can, you can have, like, any tone that you can imagine just there, you know, and, and like, you can conveniently cycle through all of it and use it all like in, in the same set without it's just crazy you know it's great that and like slate drums you know like the slate mic all that stuff is just insane yeah. you know people are it's totally i mean it's, it's really it's changed the way that music is made um just as a whole because it's totally removed the need to like go into a fancy studio you know you have people who are making like just slamming albums in their basement using using a drum pad and and like you know like for example like the vocals we did on Beast from the East you know we did all those vocals in your bathroom <laughs> and like and in a mattress port because because we could and it sounds awesome it sounds just as good as anything else I've ever listened to yeah I I was like blowing my own mind because that was really the first time you were the first one that I used it on professionally. Like I'd done like demos and stuff by myself here, but like actually putting it on someone else's record, like it just was blowing my mind. Like, I can't believe how good it sounds, you know? And, and yeah, when, when you first came here, it was like this little mattress fort with a couple blankets and shit. And like, I put a lamp in there so you could see what you're doing. And then a few sessions of that. And then we moved to my little bathroom down here, which I, cleaned out and got all kind of set up with uh moving blankets and shit <clears throat> and yeah and that's it and it's just it sounds so fucking good you know people wouldn't know otherwise yeah but i mean the fact that like you know that we could do that and that like everyone else can do that you know like you can make a record like totally on your own you know with a minimal investment which in turn like it's just it's t- it's totally removed the, the necessity of, of like labels or, or really like any big money, you know, like that was the whole reason labels existed was to, so, you know, you could make a record and then distribute a record, but like between the internet and then technology, you can just do it all yourself. You know, and if you have the work ethic and the, um, you know, you need an audience obviously, but I mean, you can go out and, and make your audience, find your audience, you know, just produce it all yourself to distribute it yourself. Yeah. And it's, it's, I don't even, Almost better that way. I don't even know how, how we got on this this subject. It's just uh, <laughs> this is it's called an organic conversation. We're having an organic yeah. conversation right now. <laughs> there are no questions. Right. We just let it roll. No, I think that's great actually that we're moving into this because uh, I wanted to ask you about it anyway. Um, so, <clears throat> how do you feel about that? Like uh, the whole label thing and and DIY and all that. Um, uh, I mean, I, I just uh, I, I love it. You know, like I, I love being able to to do uh to do it all ourselves, you know what I mean? Like like the only label we ever worked with was y'all and it, it was a super positive experience, you know, and we we talked to you about doing this record um again and we talked to a bunch of other labels and I want it known in all of the internet world the the best and and by far fairest deal we got from offer we got from anyone was from Right Coast. <laughs> so like Right Coast Right Coast is like taking care of uh taking care of their, their artists but um you know I, we did so we did technically do this with a uh with a label we did it with space duck records yeah but um space duck came to be because we had uh we were working with with our old manager danny for a while and while we were shopping out 
to uh, labels, he was shopping out for distribution for the band um, so that we could do it on our own. And we stopped working together. Um, but after we stopped working together, InGrooves got back to him and um, was interested in giving us a distribution deal. And he had always wanted to start a label, and, but you know, uh, they only wanted to work with him if he released the Uglies record. <laughs> So we were able to make a really good deal with him so that he could get distribution to start his label and we could do the record on a pretty independent um, level. You know, he, he helped us out for sure, but it, it, it was still mostly like a DIY thing and, and we're, um, you know, we're taking the lion's share of, of what the record brings in, which in turn allows us to like... For me, it, 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 like, it allows us to put way more money into marketing it and seeing a return on it. Because like, you know, if you, if you like, invest money into marketing and you're only making like 40 or 50% on the record, then you're losing 50% you know, on, on that, that money you're investing. You, know, you see what I'm saying? Right. Oh, no, we've been there. <laughs> yeah, we've yeah I, been I, just, there. I, couldn't, I couldn't swallow that. You know what I mean? Like, I wanna, like, I'm proud of this record and I want to think like as much money as I can into this record. But if I'm like losing a percentage on every dollar that I put in, it's just like super frustrating. It's, it's almost like defeating because like marketing in itself is a gamble. You don't automatically see a return on it. So if the return you do see, if you're, you're making a percentage on the dollar you put in, it's just like, how the fuck is, is there any longevity in that? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, all that stuff, the, the label stuff, um, major or, or indie, you know, it's, it can get really weird and kind of wishy-washy. And, um, you know, as far as working with a major, I'm just like, fuck that. Because there, the, the chances that, you know, the, there's, there are still major label bands out there that are doing really well. Um, but usually it's the band that has a writing team and there's all this shit. I mean, you know, and they're just sort of like made for radio and guaranteed to have a hit every single time. And so the, that yeah. that sort of deal works for bands like that. You know, whereas most bands, probably ninety five percent of bands, um, you know, on the indie side, um, it's just better to to do it on your own. And there's really no reason not to these days. And and <clears throat> Right Coast Records, for example, is there. And, and I imagine Space Duck Records is there for the reason that we want to help be a springboard. You know, we, you, um, I, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you that we, we're not going to be necessarily the, the label that's going to help, you know, boost, you know, a career in, into the fucking stars, you know. But we want to help in any way we can with the people that we've met over the, over the years and um, the experience that we have and knowing where to put the money you know, what, what little, yeah. little budget we have. Um, we want to use that expertise that we have and, and put it in the right places. So the bands that we're working with don't go down those same roads that lead to nowhere. Like we did, like we had to do everything on our own. There was no, nobody told us anything and we, uh, hit some pretty big pitfalls, but we're fucking resilient and somehow made it out. But, um, you know, obviously we're still working. It's a grind, but, but yeah. <clears throat> um, I think if a major label approached me right now, it, I, I wouldn't not have the conversation, but it would have to be a really fucking sweet deal, you know? Yeah. Because you're giving away so much money, you've done all the work, and, and it's just, like you said, it's just really hard to swallow. You can't can't deal with that, you know? Yeah, well, in the whole game with, like, 
with a lot of that is it's it's less about music and more about image like it's like like i feel like the uh you know like country music is a great example for that like it, it's it's a whole machine and it's like you have guys who are literally their their entire job is just to look pretty and to sing you know they're not writing they're not writing any of their own songs they're not they're, they're banned you know they have a band to tour and then they have a band to record and there's just no creative aspect in it they're, you're just all you are is a this brand that's being sold to people so people can make money off it and it's like from that's not why i'm doing this like i have no interest in any of that shit like i like writing songs like that's my my art so like I don't know. My, my whole philosophy these days, like as, as I get older and I do this, is like I'm trying to just surround myself with people that make me feel good. Like I get good energy from them, and I'm trying to do things that make me feel good. And like thinking about that kind of shit just makes me feel sick. Like it's not something I would want in my life. Like what makes me feel good is writing songs that come from an honest place and playing them with like people that I like to the best of our ability. Yeah. You know, the rest of it's bullshit. Like if if like you know, we, I want to market it as much as I can, but like, that's just, you know, that's work and it's, it's, it's marketing coming from an honest place as opposed to, I don't know. Does that, you, do you see what I'm saying? Totally understand. Yeah. It's, it's, um, <clears throat> that, that was never, uh, like I remember, um, we were approached by some major labels in the early two thousands, uh, like DreamWorks and, and J records and, and wind up records. These, these labels that were putting out big ass bands, and I'm so glad, to be honest, I'm so glad that it didn't happen. I was bummed out for a while about every time that happened. But looking back, my, I mean, this band probably wouldn't even, wouldn't even exist today had we done something like yeah. that. I just had no idea how any of it worked. Um, I, was, I, had, I didn't have a grasp of the industry or the business or how to do any of this. And just... You know, that never happened. And then we just stayed in the van and we, we toured and we just did music on our own and released things, you know, CD Baby and TuneCore and shit like that. Um, you know, it's just, we've learned so much. And I feel like our, you know, our, our fan base wouldn't be what it is today either. A lot of these bands, they come, no, out, they come out of nowhere, right? They come out of nowhere, they hit the radio or whatever, or some Spotify playlist, they get huge but you've never heard of them before. You've never, they haven't done anything. And to me, that's like being top heavy. You got this whole yep. shit coming on. There's no foundation under you. And then as soon as you don't have a follow-up hit and it doesn't do what the first one did, everyone forgets about you. But when you're, yeah. when, when you're in a band like, like ours, Ballyhoo, Bumpin' Uglies, Tropidelic, you know, all these bands, um, you're taking the time and you're putting in the years and meeting people and meeting every fucking person, you know, that comes to the merch table and, and is coming to see you play every time. That, that is your foundation, you know? Yeah. And it's so important. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that we've done it the way we've done it. Yeah, it's exactly what you just said. There's no longevity in anything like that because people, they're not fans of you. They're fans of what's trendy. Mm -hmm. So like as soon as you're not trendy they're just going to go on to whatever the new trendy thing is. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, like there are people who've made that work for them by like consistently staying trendy. Like, I mean, like Justin Bieber is a great example. Yeah. Um, you know, like th th there's a few acts like that, but it's it just at that point, it's just not about 
like music is just one one facet of it. Like there's a million other things that you gotta like for example, all this shit happening with Kanye West right now. Like I it's either from for me, like watching it happen, it's it's one of two things. It's either him having a breakdown, like very publicly, which is just awful and sad, or it's him and his team of marketing people like, hey, this is a great way to be in the press for like a bunch of cycles. So like go out there and just be belligerent. Which is just like either way, oh, it's awful. It's just it's like a, a terrible thing to have to do to promote a record. It's you know? terrible. It's terrible. It's like com- talk about losing your soul if that's what it is, you know. Um, yeah, but like both both our bands, you know, like bands like are doing what we're doing. Like we have people who like like the people and they like the songs and they like the band and they're gonna keep coming to shows like every time we come through a city and they're gonna keep buying t-shirts and telling their friends and it's it's just like a more, it's so much more honest and and at the end of the day it makes you feel better it makes me feel better you know you're absolutely right there's i would hate to have to go do that bullshit if that's if that's what this is you know some kind of a press stunt oh my god i mean he's he's saying some really shitty things <laughs> he's saying some awful things did, did you yeah, hear the slavery terrible. thing i did man oh my yeah, god like, what a fucking nightmare yeah well that's like so when he when he came out and he was all like pro Trump and like the MAGA thing and and like that's when I was thinking oh man this is just press and then when I saw the slavery thing I was like oh no this guy's having a breakdown and it's just like on everything feels like every couple of years he has a breakdown like this well yeah yeah I mean when you're that fucking sad. famous though I mean you know he's married to the Kardashian and there's that whole thing and like oh man what a, what a fucking mess. But dude, he do, he does have an album coming out in a few weeks. So it's like, <laughs> Don't forget. Yeah, I'm just saying, man. Like it, it could very well be marketing, which just, you know, and it's the same thing. The way the way that um, you know Trump did it. You know, even even he said the, some of the shittiest things in the campaign, and now people, you know, people. There's so many people that love him. He got he got in. You know, and it's like it, it's. Um, I was I was watching a, a I was listening to a, a Joe Rogan podcast the other day, and Tom Segura was on there, and he's a funny ass comedian, and he uh, he has this joke about um, I think it's Louisiana. And he's just saying, like, he needs, like, let's build a wall around Louisiana so we can say, fuck that place because it sucks, you know, all this shit. And uh, he said he, he got a lot of, like, hate mail and stuff for that. But he said, he said the, sh- the next show there is sold out within minutes. <laughs> he sold a bunch of tickets. It's just so funny how that works. It's like reverse psychology or something. I don't know. But, it's, dude, we live in, we live in the, the era of BuzzFeed and clickbait, dude. It's, that's what it's all about. It's just, like... Uh... What can you say in two sentences that's going to make people feel something very extremely? It's it's just telling, man. Like, I, I don't know, man. It'll be interesting to see like what, what people write about this just era. Yeah, in, in the history books, you know, like because I I don't know, man. It's I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. Everything is so polarized just across the board. It's either hot or cold. There's no there's no lukewarm about anything. Yeah, it's like extremists on both sides. I mean, I guess the the extremists are the ones you hear from the most because they're the extremists and that's what they do. They make noise, you know, where everybody else, I'm, I'm sure there's a gray area. There is that. It's just not the one you hear from, you know, it's going to like totally change the format of like how education is taught, you know, like they're going to have to, I don't, I don't know, man, like they're going to have to educate children on how to like properly deal with social media in the future. I, I, I think, and, and just how to not, 
we have to start I mean, now. See, we, we have to start now. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's just gonna, it's going to take a generation. You yeah. know what I mean? Because there's so many people that have just grown up with with how things are right now, with everything being polarized and being so extreme to jump on bandwagons and. and Everybody's got to be on a team. Yeah, exactly. It's all. It's just everything is team based, you know. But I guess it's always kind of been like that. I mean, look, look at like, like, um, just like how people feel about sports teams and and the extremism that goes there. Like living in Maryland, like I'm sure you've seen it. Like just the way like Redskins and and Ravens fans like just fucking go at each other. You know. <laughs> so true. Yeah, it's true, man. And the, and the Maryland flag is like huge. You know, everyone loves the Maryland pride. And, um, you know, of course I'm, I'm no different, but like, it's just, yeah, I think just as people we're, we're tribal by nature, you know, it's just how we are. Um, and everybody wants to be a part of something. Uh, Well, it's, I think it's all tied into with like a a sense of identity. Yeah. As a rule, I I don't talk about politics. Like (laughs) me neither, man. Me neither. I'm just going to leave that at that. um, (laughs) Interpret it how you want. What's uh what's going on next for Bumpin' Uglies, you know, after the summer? Got plans? Well, so, like, I mean, the way I write is um, I'm, I'm, like, always just writing. You know, like, I, I write everything on an acoustic guitar, and I just write lyrics, and it eventually turns into songs. But, like, I can't, like, when, when I'm working on a release, like, if, if I'm in a session of, of songs, like, I can't put any energy into those songs, into those like, like skeletons of songs until the, uh, the release is done just cause I, I just get obsessed with whatever I'm working on. Um, so now the beast in the East is out. I've got about like 30 songs that I, I feel really good about in, in different states of completion. So I'd like to, what I would like to do is do like a full band acoustic record and, and then a full band, um, banger, like just like, I think I got like 15, 20 songs of just like rocking dub reggae, like hip hop kind of shit. So like, I, I definitely want to make those two records. I want to do a live record that would be in studio with, um, with a horn section that would be mostly like old stuff. that has been re- reworked to, uh, include Chad and to, you know, focus the horns and kind of be just like more of a representation of what our, our live set is like. Um, that's awesome, dude. yeah, I'm hoping like, I'm thinking that's what we're going to do in the fall. Like we're, we got a, a Florida run we're doing in November. Um, December, it's going to be 10 years that, that since we started the band, um, and we're going to do like a, a run of shows around that. We're going to do like, a, it's looking like Baltimore, um, New Jersey and Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, pretty much just same old shit, man. Just write, record, tour, repeat. repeat. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's great, but, man. Well, no, it's good to know you're always, you know, you're always working. I mean, I knew that, but um, it's kind of cool that everybody listening here they see what a hardworking dude you are. <laughs> you're always working on something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, it's this, it's not work. It's like this is what I I'd like doing. Sure. I, I feel best when I'm when I'm writing or when I'm like. Actually, I guess that's that's not entirely true. Sometimes I get like super fucking frustrated when I'm writing. But like when you, you know that when you get that either that idea where you're like, holy shit, that's a really good idea for a song, and that's a really good lyric, or that's a great feeling. And then you know that sense of completion when you feel good about it. So, um, you know, I'm just always working on that kind of stuff just because it, it's 
what winds my clock, you know. That's great, man. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's <clears throat> even, you know, even your passion will fucking drive you crazy at times, you know. It's like it's not oh, it's yeah. not it's not that it's work, but it's it is what you do for work. It's your thing and you know, it doesn't necessarily feel like work most of the time, but yeah, it gets a little crazy and frustrating at times, but that's because you're you're taking the road less traveled and you know, and you're trying to you you want to set up set up a life for your family, you know. Yeah. Well, dude, that's the thing that's that's been really cool for us lately is like we're we're in this just really cool growth period. And um a lot of it is just like getting getting the team together, you know, like getting like getting Chad was huge for us like sonically and for the live show. Um and and we got a a, a new booking agent and a manager who were both just slamming in the last year. And, um, you know, like the quality of our shows has stepped up a lot and the money has stepped up a lot, which is cool because for pretty much since I started doing this until about like a year ago, it was like, I was like freaking out about like, Oh my God, I'm not going to be able to afford to do this at a certain point unless shit changes. And it seems like that period is behind me and now the thing i'm freaking out about is like oh my god i'm never gonna be home and like i'm gonna lose my fucking mind like trying to do this but like i mean yeah it's like you said you're always gonna be stressed about something but like it's definitely like way more comfortable to be overwhelmed with the amount of like dope awesome shit going on than it is to be with like crippling debt or financial insecurity you know yeah no, i mean it's still i'm not still not like fucking like comfortable at all but like it seems like plausible, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And <clears throat> that's why I like having these conversations. Um, you know, some of the podcasts are, are like kind of direct. There's no, it's just me talking, you know, giving some tips on things or whatever, but like having the conversational stuff is like, um, it's almost like we're talking, but it's, I think p- people might be learning from the conversation just that, you know, things like it, it, every band sort of goes through the same thing and there, there are these fundamentals like staying on the road, sleeping in the van, sleeping on a floor, you know, playing to nobody, um, making no money to, uh, upgrading to a bigger van, staying in hotels, making more money, you know, playing to more people, you know, more people listening on Spotify or whatever it is. Like there's this whole process that happens and it just takes time. It's like you you said, you're about to have 10 years, you know, it just, it takes time to, to get to a level that you feel comfortable at, you know? And, uh, I mean, you guys are crushing it. You're doing, you're doing great. I've seen your crowd shots and, um, stuff lately, the last, uh, few months and you guys are, you're doing what a band is supposed to do, go out there, play and, you know, make more fans, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's exciting for sure, man. But it, it, a lot of it, I, you know, we wasted a lot of time too, just like not for a lack of work, but for taking the wrong steps. You know, like we were just we were just going out and doing tours and not doing the right rooms and not just going out. There, there's no reason we were just touring because that's what you know. You're supposed to tour, like you have to go out and tour, but like you have to have a game plan too. You have to like there has to be uh, there should always be growth. I feel like in everything you do. Like there should be like there should be a reason for doing it because it's going to get you to the next step, you know. Like otherwise, like you know, touring 
it's fun when it's all still an adventure, but it, eventually it stops becoming an adventure and it just becomes time away from home, you know? Yeah. So we, we spent a long time touring incorrectly with no real growth to, growth to show. You know, like for, for a while, it was just we, we were just going out and setting money on fire. And then eventually we were going out and making a little bit of money, but nothing to write home about. But it was just like we were always if we had kept doing that, we would have just kept going out and making that same little amount of money as opposed to like, OK, we went out and we hit these markets and we have hard tickets in this market. Now we're worth we can show these festivals that were worth like 150 people in, in Chicago or whatever. So that'll help us get on riot fest, which in turn can help us get on this tour. What, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Because when, when you're, when you're doing that stuff, you're, you're also, you know, the higher you kind of go, you're also meeting other people along the way, other artists, you know, producers, like whatever it is, radio people, maybe Spotify playlist curators, you know, who knows, but like all that stuff, <clears throat> there's so much more that comes that can potentially come with it. Um, you know, so yeah, I think you guys are, you're making all the right moves and, you know, it definitely feels slow at first or at least in the middle, you might feel like, okay, or plateauing, you know, but that's when it's like, okay, it's time to regroup and what can we do differently? You know? Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm looking forward to the good vibration store with bump and uglies and tropodelic and ballyhoo. It's going to be sick. Yeah, get your diapers now. It's going to be a shit show. <laughs> Mothers, lock up your daughters. <laughs> yeah, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good summer, dude. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So, hey, when, where can people find you, by the way? <sighs> Grinder. Bumpinuglysmusic.com. Facebook.com slash bumpinugliesmusic. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, personally, at Brandon's Ugly. No, that's that's about it. That's about it. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, uh, take it easy. Have a wonderful day out on your patio. It's a beautiful day outside. Yeah, man. Thank you. You got it, man. All right, dude. Talk soon. See ya. All right, all right. Thanks so much to Brandon Hardesty from Bumpin' Uglies. Such a good dude. That was a nice, uh, was a nice conversation. Got kind of deep there for a minute, huh? Um, anyway, yeah, look out for uh, Bumpin' Uglies Ballyhoo. Tropodelic, Good Vibrations Tour. Tickets go on sale this Friday, May 4th. Get them now. A lot of these shows are going to sell out. It's going to be a great tour. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Tales from the Green Room.